Hello, hello. It is Podcast Wednesday, and you are listening to the V Backlink Podcast. We're so happy that you're here with us today. And we have a great story, an awesome, empowering repeat cesarean story by our friend Ashley from Michigan. But of course, we have a quick review by Julie before we get into her story. All right. I am so excited for this story today. And you're going to hear a really empowering repeat cesarean story. So kind of maybe want to place a little trigger warning. But at the same time, like Megan and I, we've kind of talked about it. And we want to make sure that we don't just share the fluffy, lovey-dovey, feel-good stories with you guys. We want to make sure that everything that we share on this podcast are things that you are likely to encounter in the real world. We want to make sure that you know what to expect. You hear experiences of people that have harder experiences. You hear, we want to make sure that you hear experiences from people who have worked so hard to get their feedback, but for one reason or another end up in a repeat cesarean. And this story today is actually her third cesarean is a really, really empowering story. And so we hope you stay tuned with us because we just love Ashley and her story. So the review of the week comes from our friend Birthing Confident and it's on Apple Podcasts and she says, I love this podcast. As a mom planning a VBAC and as a VBAC trained birth doula, the information shared on this podcast is invaluable. I have become so passionate about helping all women know their birth options and avoid unnecessary cesarean sections. I think this podcast is great for all expecting mothers. And man, we thank you so much for that review. We That just warms our hearts knowing that we're helping so many people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link Podcast with Julie Frankham and Megan Heaton. VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. All right, welcome back. We are so excited again to hear Ashley's story today, but I want to talk a little bit about Facebook. Facebook, <laughs> Facebook can be a really big support for you, like we have in our VBAC Link community, but it can also be really, really hard. Yes, it can. And Megan actually got attacked on Facebook when she was preparing for her VBAC after two C-sections from a not-so-friendly Facebook group. Facebook. Facebook It's like VBAC with Facebook. That's what we should rename (laughs) it. The Facebook link. (laughs) Anyways, today I saw a post on Facebook about um, induction at 39 weeks. A woman is in a group that was not a birth group, just a regular mom group. And there was just a lot of misinformation there. And people just throwing out things that were not true or that the doctors had told them or they were saying things like your placenta has an expiration date <laughs> and I have never heard of anything good happening after your due date after 40 weeks and 
things like that. And so it's really hard to find the information that you need and determine whether whether it's based on truth or lies or fact or fear. And so we created a safe community for you on Facebook. It's called the VBAC Link Community. Go join it right now. And we want to see you there. Introduce yourselves to us. We have a warming and warming... I just came off a of birth today, so my brain's a little loopy. <laughs> we have a warm and loving environment for you um, that will support you all the way through your journey. So before I get too long-winded, I want to turn the time over to Ashley so that she can share the stories of her birth journeys with us today. Okay. Hi. So I will start with uh, my first son. He's eight. I... Went into labor uh, 39 weeks and five days. They started having contractions. I didn't do a lot of research. I just kind of was young and naive and kind of uh, assumed that I would just have babies like my mom had babies and my sister had babies. And I didn't do much outside of what to expect when you're expecting. (laughs) And so I started having contractions and it was like midnight and I knew that it was going to take a long time. So I got in the bath and I did laundry and I did not rest. And I know now that was a horrible move. But so about 5 a.m. I woke my husband up and we headed to the hospital. And again, I had him take his time and I was no rush. We got to the hospital about Seven. It was only like a 15-minute drive, but like I said, we took our time. And when we got there, I was maybe a one. Um, and yeah, and, and here I thought, you know, I gave it all this time, and I was maybe a one. So they had me walk. They didn't admit me. They had me walk for about an hour. Then I had m- made like very minimal change, and so they decided to keep me. And I was admitted at 8 a.m. Right away, they were talking about, you know, getting things to progress and how they, and I pretty much stayed in the bed too. That was the other thing. I, I didn't move around. I didn't, I didn't know any better, which is really silly, but I didn't. I just kind of laid there and waited for things to happen. I had been a coach for my cousin for two of her births. So I thought that I was a lot more prepared, I guess, than I really was. I cut the umbilical cord and everything for her. So I really, like, I really thought that, you know, I had more experience than I, I, I did, obviously. Anyway, so I didn't really make much progress. And so they decided they wanted to start Pitocin. When they started that, or when they were getting ready to start that, they told me, you know, are you thinking you want the epidural, which I wasn't opposed to, but I knew I didn't need it yet. I think I was only at like a three, maybe a four. And they were like, well, we're going to start the Pitocin. And when we start that, it's going to be very fast and furious. And you're not going to be able to get the epidural. Oh. And so I was like, okay, give me the epidural. So we got the epidural. I, I remember like now <laughs> after my other two experiences in labor, I was, so in early labor, like I was not even in pain. And my my um, anesthesiologist was answering Jeopardy questions. It was super casual. And like, <laughs> I was like, not ready for the epidural at all. 
anyway, so they gave me that, and they came back and gave that a little bit, or then they started the Pitocin. They gave it a little bit and decided they wanted to break my water. Well, he was very high up still, mm-hmm. and they broke my water, and I, again, they didn't ask me. They just kind of told me what they were going to do, and I just went with it. I just trusted that they were going to get my baby in my arms sooner than later, and that's what I wanted, you know, and so I didn't know any better than to even question them, let alone say no, and so they broke my water, and the pressure of that pulled him down and um, tightened the cord around his neck, so they were trying to get him in a better position, and obviously, like, his heart was, um, he was having heart decelled, and um, they were like, we're going to go get the doctor, and the nurses were very casual about it, and um, I was like, okay, you know, and like, he, he just doesn't like this position. There's something, you know, he's just, baby's not really liking this. And so I didn't think it was very serious. And the doctor came in and she checked me. And, again, it was not really, it was really uncomfortable. And um, I remember being kind of upset with her anyways just by the way that she was being. It was a doctor on call in my office. It wasn't my doctor. And when she checked me. She looked at the nurses and said, yep, prep for a C-section. We're going to, we're going to do a C-section. And I was, I immediately was like, wait, what? Because she didn't tell me we were going to have a C-section. She didn't tell me anything. She just told the room. And so I started crying and I was like, what's going on? I have never had a surgery in my life. And she looked at me like she was disgusted and was like, it's what's best for the baby. Wow. And I remember thinking, well, I, I want to do what's best for the baby, but I, I'm scared, you know, and I, I didn't understand. And, and she left the room and I started asking all the nurses who had been with me most of the time, you know, are you going to be, are you coming with me? Are you going in the room with me? And, the, and I was asking if my husband got to come and, and in hindsight now, like, I know that it wasn't a true emergency, like mm-hmm. some, yeah, his his heart, he wasn't really reacting well, and, and the cord was around his neck, but they the way they moved, I could tell it wasn't now, I know that, <laughs> and anyway, so I really did not, it was really scary, I remember, like, you know, making noises while I was, they were doing the operation to get Jack out, and I remember making noises to make sure I could hear my own voice. And afterwards, I shook uncontrollably. And I I remember not wanting to hold him and being really scared to hold him because I was afraid I was going to drop him. And it was just really a a scary and not good experience. Overall, I I think I just wasn't prepared for that any kind of outcome other than just having a baby. Um, And I think with her, the way the doctor was so cold and the way that everything happened, it was, it was pretty traumatic. And I never really fully realized that until I, until I started to listen to the VDAC link when I started hearing other women's experiences and I could really connect and, and, and cry with, with you guys and, um, and kind of it helped me really want to prepare more. So anyway, so that led me to, you know, my, my six-week appointment after I had my first son. And they, the first thing I said is, can I have a vaginal birth? I, 
I didn't know for sure, you know, how likely it was. And, and so basically my doctor was like, yes, you would be a great candidate. You know, the cord just got around his neck. So, you know, with him and I stuck with his office, we didn't get pregnant until four years later or three years later. So my, my two oldest sons are, are almost four years apart exactly to the day and their birthdays are four days apart. And anyway, so when I got pregnant, I stayed with my same doctor, and but I decided to do more research myself. And so I started to kind of just look things up and, and how do I prepare to have a vaginal birth and what do I need to do differently this time? And the more I researched, you know, like going to the chiropractor and I would ask my doctor about it and he'd be like, oh, well, you know, it doesn't really make a difference and everything that he kind of just brushed off. Um, one thing that he really pushed was and you know to each their own and I but I was I wasn't I I don't typically get the flu shot and I didn't want the flu shot because the only time I ever did was when I was pregnant with my first son and it's because he recommended it and um with my second I was like you know I don't I don't want to get it and he was like he kind of did some fear mongering tactics to try to get me to do it and finally I said okay what I'll do is I'll read the pamphlet and I will make my and do some research and make a decision and I didn't even get to the parking lot and I and it said it's not recommended for pregnant women and and so I when I pointed those things out to him he started to kind of you know kind of back down a little bit but Mm -hmm. he was very very pushy about certain things that and when I asked him about things that were more you know holistic he was kind of scoffed at him and made me feel like I was being silly when I asked him about a doula, he thought he told me it was a waste of money. When I asked him about primrose or evening primrose oil, he was like, "Oh, well, you're going to get sick." And he was talking. He think he was confused with castor oil. Oh. Um, so he just <laughs> wasn't even know very, what you were talking about. No, <laughs> had no idea. And mm-hmm. so, fast forward to my 37 week appointment, and um, you know, I'm still like questioning, you know, if I'm going to be able to do this. I never felt fully confident because I felt like everything that I read was good. He kind of like dismissed. And so at that appointment, he did a a check, which I still didn't know that I could decline or that wasn't necessary really. And I wasn't dilated or anything. And so he decided he was going to schedule my repeat C-section just to be safe. He told me it's easier to and when I got upset, he said, oh, it's easier to put it on the schedule than, than to, to, you know, try to add it later. And when I walked out of the office, I was so defeated. And so I decided to find a doula, and um, I hired an amazing doula in DFW area. So she works mostly out of Fort Worth, so I have a recommendation if anybody needs one there. And... She helped me find midwives in Fort Worth that are absolutely amazing. My husband is typically a warrior, so um, a hospital was the only um, option for us. And so these midwives worked under a doctor. There was always a doctor on call. They had all the things that my husband, you know, needed to feel better. And and I um, switched providers at 37 weeks. And so I went into labor at... 41 or 40 weeks and five days. Now I know that that was most likely prodromal labor. I didn't know 
then because I still, as much research as I thought I was doing, I didn't even know what prodromal labor was. And I had contractions from about midnight. Both Actually, both boys were Super Bowl Sunday at midnight. Oh, the next that's night. funny. <laughs> funny. And, uh, and it was funny because my husband, that was for our first, he was like, you just can't have them on the Super Bowl. You just, and I'm like, okay. And so both of them went that night. <laughs> that's hilarious. They started anyways. So anyway, so with Tyler, I... I was like, okay, I'm really staying home because I know that the it increases my chances of being successful if I'm, I labor at home. And so I did. I, I didn't leave my house until about 2.30 the next afternoon, but it was because I, I got lightheaded during one of my contractions and my husband was worried. It was my blood pressure. Mm-hmm. And I wish now that we would have just took my blood pressure at home because he has a military background and was able to probably do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but he, again, he's a warrior. So we left um, and went to the hospital. And my doula recommended that we just walked around the hospital. And we did. We walked and walked. And so I didn't go to triage until about 530 that evening. So about 18 hours into um, my contractions. My contractions were not getting stronger and longer. But they were, you know, they were good contractions, but that's how I'm pretty sure I know that it was prodromal because when they did a cervical check, I was at maybe a one. <laughs> and But she was like, the good news is, is that your cervix is so soft, it's literally like melting. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I don't know what that means because I really didn't. I still was like barely like touching the surface on like effacement and, and things like that. And even though I, you know, felt like I was doing so much research to try to prepare. And so I was supposed to go in the very next day for a fully bomb induction because they were worried he was going to be big. And with him being my first vaginal, they they wanted to set me up for success. That's how my midwife mm-hmm. kind of put it. So we decided then and there to do the fully bomb um, before they admitted me. I wish now that I would have just went home. <laughs> I wish now that I would have known about spinning babies and all the things, but I didn't. And so I did the Foley bulb, and my midwife, again, was like, I've never seen that work so fast. It was out within, like, 30 minutes, I think. Nice. Oh, wow. Um, it was very fast. Yeah. I, I might be exaggerating on that a little bit. It's been four years or almost five years, but... But I feel like it was it was very, very fast. We weren't there for very long, and then we got into a room because the fully bulb was already out. And I was at, I think, like a four or something, maybe a five. And so we went up to the room, and I, I labored on the ball, and I labored in different positions. And my, my doula was amazing. My family is, in, is from Michigan, and, and we were in Texas. And so I had just my husband, who is... I don't mean just like he wasn't enough. He was more than enough. Emotionally, he was amazing, and I couldn't have done it without him. But the physical relief that she was able to provide me through my contractions while I was on, eventually I was on Pitocin, and I couldn't have done it without her. So, But, again, there was, oh, I let me go back real quick. I do want to mention that my first, with all those interventions that happened, like I said, I was, 
um, checked in about 8 a.m., and I had him via C-section at 2.30 in the afternoon mm. that same day. That's how fast they gave me Pitocin, put me on that epidural, broke my water, yep. and then, yeah. So that's why I truly feel like I could have it could have been avoided had they not done so many interventions and I was mm-hmm. able to advocate for myself. So with, with my second, it was very drawn out. It was very opposite, but I... He, when they did finally get him out, he was posterior and he was pretty stuck in there. But I labored and nothing was happening. I was very adamant that they weren't going to break my water and my water broke on its own. So that was huge and felt amazing to know that my body could do it. <laughs> Just even that little thing, you know, mm-hmm. but I got to an eight Wow. Um, with him. Yeah, I did have Pitocin and I did have you know, some interventions, you know, I got to an eight, but I had to fully vault too. So there was a lot of things that my body was given to help it progress that I think if he was in just in the right position, it would have done it naturally. And I've always felt like that. So we got to an eight and at one point he started to kind of not like the Pitocin, so they cut it off real quick. And, and then when everything kind of got back to a good point, they were talking about, starting it back up and when they were talking about that it was 43 hours into from my very first contraction and so I I asked for the epidural so I had went all that time with nothing mm-hmm. not even Tylenol which is and, awesome um, and my doula I, I shouldn't say nothing I went all that time with my doula and my husband <laughs> and and then I napped with the epidural and about five hours later, or four hours later, um, my midwife came to me, and she was pregnant with her first, and she took me by the hands, and she had tears in her eyes, and she said, this isn't black and white. She said, there's something, there's gray area with you and baby. She said, you are doing well. Baby's doing well. We can keep doing what we're doing, or we can we can move forward and we can get your baby in your arms. And at that point, getting my baby in my arms sounded amazing. And so as much as I got to make decisions, I used the Brian or brain acronym um, for everything, every decision my husband and I really talked about and discussed. We, there was a few times that the doctors and the midwives were probably annoyed with us even because we were pushing back a lot, which felt really good to be able to, be the person that made the decision this time and I am the one that made the decision to to go for a c-section because I thought my body was broken I thought that I couldn't because I couldn't with my I didn't with my first and here I was and I went through all this and I still didn't have a baby and it was really defeating but also I just I was ready to have my baby and be home with my my first. He every time I talked to him on the phone while I was at the hospital, he would cry because he thought I was just going to go home and bring his brother home. <laughs> so it was a long time to be away from mommy, and um, and so yeah. So I had a repeat section, and I thought, okay, that's it. I'm not going to have any more. And we really talked about it. Like my husband, ah. Uh, when I decided and or I said I wanted to talk to my husband and I told I told him that I was ready to, to have the baby 
the C-section, and he is a very strong man emotionally, but he was like, baby, you're doing so good, you can do this, and he was just tearful and, and so encouraging and so um, just empowering for him to just still be rooting for me and, mm-hmm. and believing in me. It was such an awesome experience to have with him. And so, yeah, so fast forward, and I got pregnant again, and four years later, so there's eight, four, and almost four months, mm. <laughs> and we are in Michigan now, and it's a lot different here because we're not in a big city, and we don't have huge hospitals with all the bells and whistles, and so it was really scary to my husband. Um, again, he's a warrior, and I didn't want to make the same mistake of going to the hospital early, and so I really wanted to hire a midwife that could be like a doula, and which I found out was is called a montrice, mm-hmm. I believe is correct. Is there a correct term? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So <laughs> I was doing, and that's when I found you guys, and I found so many resources, and I just, if nothing else, I wanted to be fully prepared, you know, to fight for the type of C-section, because at first I really wasn't sure what we were going to do. I had a friend that had had a C-section, and then she tried, she did TOLAC, and then when she talked about her third, she said, I just scheduled a C-section. It was so, it was so peaceful and so easy, and I, I didn't have to, you know, go through all that for another C-section, and, and so that always stuck out in my head, because I'm like, that would be wonderful to not, you know, go through everything I did with my second, you know, and, and I really knew I didn't. My recovery with my second was awful. I got a cyst above my, below my belly button that like, had to be drained, and it, it was awful. It was super painful. I vomited randomly, like, and I, I hadn't vomited since I was a kid, and I, not even morning sickness. I'm sorry. I know all you women that get it, I, mm. I'm sorry, bless your heart. But I, I just have been very, I just have a strong stomach and, and that's never been something I, but like I would just randomly wake up and, with the shakes and like have to vomit and I don't know what it was and it was after my C-section and it was just the weirdest, most random things would happen to me and I just didn't feel myself for a long time. So it was really rough and so with, this baby I was really determined to you know just find all the best ways and you know I really wanted to go into labor naturally and then go into the hospital and have a c-section um but all the doctors that I talked to about that looked at me like I was crazy (laughs) Mm. so I decided I wanted to find um to have a a, another attempt for a VBAC after two c-sections and um I was going to do it this time and I was determined and I found an amazing midwife, a home birth midwife, and I, I called a bunch, but she was willing to be like a Montrese to me. So I was going to still pay her fee for being a home birth midwife, but as a doula. And so she would have played a doula role at the hospital, but in, in my home, she could monitor me and baby and, and let us know when it was time to go push, basically. Mm. And my first appointment was was with her at, I was I was pretty far along. I feel like it was like twenty one weeks. And I had talked to her before because I did I had a miscarriage right before Theo 
And so I had talked to her when I first got pregnant with that baby, but there was only five weeks between my miscarriage and when I got pregnant with CO. So that was, you know, a huge blessing because I was able to to conceive right away. And he is, you know, healthy and it's, we're very blessed. So I had talked to her before, so I reached back out. And, um, and so when my husband and I agreed that we would hire, possibly hire her as a Montrese, um, we went to meet her. And I know I've said it a couple times, but my husband is a warrior. So there's no way in the world I would have ever thought that he'd be willing to do a home birth. And, and up until this point, he was like, you're insane if you think you're ever going to, like, actually, he, going to meet her, he told me, this isn't just so that you can accidentally, in quotes, have a home birth, right? And I'm like, no, I would not do that to you. I promise I wouldn't intentionally, accidentally have a home birth. <laughs> so, um, so he agreed to go meet her. And in the meeting, I think she, you know, she said all the right things because I think he probably just was not aware of how educated and how, how like, that's their, that's what they do, you know? like that's, And I think he just thought that it was just, like, going to be, some hippie lady ready to catch my baby, you know, and I don't know what he pictured, but after meeting her and her assistant, he was like, you know, on the way home, he was like, if you're going to basically be with her at home until you push, you might as well just push at home. And I looked at him like, and I got butterflies and I was like, are you, are you saying that we could have a home birth? And he was like, well, I mean, don't get your hopes up. I'll think about it. And I'm like, what? You'll think about it? And it was such a cool, like, feeling because I honestly thought I was too scared until he was willing. I think I think I thought I was scared because I wouldn't, it wasn't an option. And so I just kind of was closed off about it. But when it became an option, I just was like, oh, my gosh. And so, basically, we decided to go with a home birth. And um, and so, everything was pretty smooth. I had a really bad encounter with these, quote, unquote, amazing um, midwives in the area. And she was really ugly towards me and about me V-backing. And, and so, when I found Kristen, my midwife, I was just so elated and so fast forward everything was healthy and perfect and I had a great pregnancy I lost my mucus plug at 36 weeks and four days and she was like I cannot do anything at home until 36 weeks and five days I think it was and so I was like okay well nothing happened two weeks later I lost my mucus plug again nothing happened two days later I had bloody show and it was scary to me after my miscarriage and so mm-hmm. um um she she had me go to a sonogram just to be safe everything looked beautiful and healthy and that was a Friday on Sunday I started having contractions and I I texted her and I said what like is it you know I think it's just you know probably for drama but I'm like I feel I'm in my vagina. (laughs) 
I didn't remember ever feeling them like that with my boys, my older two. And she was like, oh, good things are happening. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And so I went to my son's flag football game, and I was like, I was sitting in the grass, like off to the side, like, like, oh, these are good. And my, my youngest, my youngest at the time, my four-year-old was like, Mama's meditating. Oh, <laughs> I'm doing something over here. So we went home and um, my husband got the kids in bed because it was a school night and my midwife came about 10 p.m. I was three centimeters dilated and 90% effaced. And then fast forward, I labored at home. I also was, I planned a party, man. I had lights up and I had my affirmations up and I, I was listening to hypno birthing through Amazon Prime. It's free. So I don't don't know if I'm allowed to say that. I should have, but I am, I, it helped me. I listened to just like the waves in the background. I labored and labored. My friends and sister came and my sister-in-law and, you know, they were there, but not, you know, in the room the whole time. Yeah. So they came and went. I had a photographer, and um, she was taking pictures, and it was so beautiful. I got to, well, I called them at a, when I was at a six, and that's when they all came. At a six, my midwife asked if she could break my water because she thought it would help, which I was really nervous about because of my experience, but I trusted her, and I agreed to it. And so she broke my water, and we did some spinning baby moves uh, or techniques, and I progressed to, sorry, I progressed to uh, a nine, and when I got to a nine, um, I started to push without, like, I was bearing down and pushing without, and like, my body was just doing that. And I was really trying not to, and I was trying to relax, and I was really struggling, and I was in the water. Everything got really fast and furious after she broke my water. It was about 7, or no, about 8 o'clock, and baby's heart tone started to, or no, 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 she checked me, and I had a cervical lip. And so she was like, I really, you know, I really try to, like, relax and, and you know, let the contractions do what they need to do. And I was struggling. And and then so she, she checked baby's heart tones, and they were not good. And so she said she had me get on my left side, and they still weren't great. At 8.50, we decided to call for a transfer. Um, the hospital is only seven minutes away, but it's a real small hospital, like without a NICU. We got there very quickly. My husband, again, as a warrior, I was laying in the back of the van <laughs> yelling to him, baby, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. I promise. I, I know it is. Everything's going to be okay. We got there and we passed registration. Um, my sister followed us and stayed and registered me. And we got up to the room and <laughs> I obviously was in pretty active labor at this point, so I was, you know, feeling feeling pretty uh, strong contractions. And the nurses were like, "Okay, why why did you have your other <laughs> your other C-section?" And I was like, "Because they're dumb." <laughs> and my husband's like, "No, Ashley." And I'm like, "I'm sorry, that was mean." 
totally valid and probably very normal for a lot of women to say, mm-hmm. yeah, it wasn't what I wanted, but it was very healing. So yeah, thank you yeah. so much for sharing your story. I really, really, we, we really appreciate it. We know it's going to help women too, because like you said, like it wasn't what you wanted, but it can be a healing experience. And yeah. um, we actually have a blog all about that, how to cope with a birth that you, you know, weren't hoping for. Um, so on our blog, so check it out. It's at the vbacklink.com slash blog and give it a read and a share because it might just touch someone else out there that's needing to to get some advice. Interested in sharing your VBAC? Head over to the vbacklink.com slash share to submit your story. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.